0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, December the 3rd, 2019. On today's show, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joins me as he does each and every single Tuesday to help break down South Carolina's. 38 to 3 loss to the Clemson Tigers. We also discussed coaching staff changes, including Brian McClendon being demoted, Dan Werner and Jeff Dillman being relieved of their duties, also Jake Bentley's transfer announcement, and much, much more. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at Ag South Farm Credit. Guys, Ag South Farm Credit, most lenders don't understand land financing. Ag South Farm Credit, however, they specialize in land financing and they've been doing so for over 100 years. They make loans for small and large acreage, hunting property, timberland farm and pasture land, even home mortgages and construction. They have a ton of great benefits, including long-term fixed rate finance for up to 20 years, down payments as low as 15%. They have competitive rates and they pay an average of 25% of the interest back every year as what they call patronage. There are cooperatives, they share in their profits with their member borrowers. So guys, for example, on a $300,000 loan, at 6.5% for 20 years. You would get back two thousand seven hundred. dollars and 70 dollars each year literally they're putting money back in your pocket guys they've also got an experienced lending staff that knows land and knows how to finance so guys when you're making a big time life decision like this whether you're getting a mortgage you're buying land you're buying a car you're getting married whatever it may be you always want to make sure you have the right people in your corner corner people that are going to make sure you make the right decision they're going to make the process super simple super easy for you they're going to have your best interest in mind ag south farm credit is that lender, they are that company. They're not just for farmers, by the way. I have a lot of people ask me, you know, it's Ag South Farm Credit. They say, is it just for farmers? And if it's got farm in the name, not at all. So their mission is actually to support rural America and that can include just about anything that involves the purchase of land. So a lot of their customers are those that just want a piece of property, outside of the town that they can live on. So literally anyone can use Ag South Farm Credit. You do not have to be a farmer. It is for anyone just looking to buy land, get a mortgage, what have you. If you have any more questions about what Ag South Farm Credit can do, give them a call 844 Ag South is their number or you can visit their website agsouthfc.com/tsus. Again, that's a g s o u t h f c.com slash T-S-U-S, AgSouth is an equal housing lender, NMLS six one nine seven eight eight. So again, that's AgSouthFC.com slash T-S-U-S or give them a call, 844-AG-South and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sends you. All right, let's get into it. the Spurs Up shows a man that played for Gamecock football from 2005 to 2008. He joins me again on this Tuesday as he's done each and every single Tuesday throughout the 2019 season. Very pleased to be we welcoming my friend and colleague Alex McGrath. Alex, appreciate you taking the time, man. Looking forward to breaking down everything that happened on Saturday and since Saturday happened, everything with the coaching changes. And we have a lot to talk about, my friend. But first off, how was your Thanksgiving holiday, by the way? I know I haven't talked to you since then. How was Thanksgiving? How was the weekend? I'm sure you watched a ton of football and hung out with the family as well.
2: Oh, I was good, man. Got to watch a lot of football, hang out with the kiddos, ate way too much fried turkey, usual holiday traditions. How was yours? It
1: was pretty good. Ate a lot of food, watched a lot of football, um, you know, a lot of good football. It actually started with that crazy Ole Miss Mississippi State game on Thursday, um, and then just fed right into rivalry weekend, obviously capping with. South Carolina, Clemson on Saturday, which is what we're going to spend the uh, spend our time talking about. And I was just thinking about this where we came on. It's just crazy that since that game, just how everything sort of unfolds. There really was no wait, I guess you could say, to make changes and kind of get the ball rolling as far as that's concerned. But let's stick with the game on Saturday. Alex, South Carolina loses to Clemson six time in a row, thirty eight to three, the final score. Simply put, I'll ask you, I mean, what were your initial thoughts? Was it exactly as you expected to go? Again, Clemson dominated on the offense, defense, specialty, really dominating every facet of the game. Uh, what were your overall takeaways of the game, and was it exactly what you expected, or, you know, just what were your thoughts overall?
2: Well, I mean, we certainly lost by fewer points than I predicted on the show last week, so that was a positive. I mean, I thought the defense played better than I thought they would have. Um you know, certainly stopping Etienne as well as they did. Mm. Because I think think he had, you know, 15 carries for 50-some-odd yards. And, you know, Mm. Lawrence was somehow the leading rusher, which I have no idea why they were having him carry the football in the fourth quarter, Mm. uh, up five touchdowns. But that's neither here nor there. Um, But, you know, offense, you know, we haven't scored a touchdown in two and a half games now. So, you know, given some of the news we've got now – that you know clinton's been relieved and damn warner's no longer hanging around the program none of that's surprising um you know to me i know you've said sort of that you know you thought Muschamp would be back next year i was definitely in the camp that he wouldn't be and that seems to be kind of a course of action right now and try to go find the sixth offensive coordinator in his ninth season of coaching
1: yeah, no, obviously, like you said, I mean, a ton has happened since that game. Um, just sticking on the field, like you said, I do agree with you. That oh, I think, yeah, sorry. You know, I, I think the defense deserves a lot of kudos for the way they play. You know, that initial goal line stand and, you know, a Gamecocks defensive unit that definitely could have folded, you know what I mean, as the season went on because they just – they knew what was on the other side as far as an offense that could not score any points. I mean, you have one touchdown in the last three games, no touchdowns in the last two and a half. I mean, just – just really a pitiful, pitiful offensive performance. Um, I thought what was really evident, Alex, on Saturday was just simply the talent gap. I mean, I and I, I don't know if it's is it all on the talent. Is it we? I mean, because we definitely got out coached as well. I don't think there are many South Carolina games I could look at this season and say we out coached the opponent. But to me, the talent gap was just so evident. I mean, they they beat us like I said soundly. I mean, you you look at the stats. I mean, it's. I mean, the numbers just jump off the page to you. Clemson with over 500 yards of offense. We, I think we had like right around 200. I mean, it just was never even a competitive game. You take a look at the way Ryan Holinsky played. You know, I thought for everything you take into account, I, I he obviously didn't play great, had the really, really bad interception early on. But when you're asking so much of him, you had no Brian Edwards. Um, we'll stick offensively, because I know that's that's your bread and butter. I mean, what, what did you see? You know, obviously, again, the changes have been made. BMAC's been demoted. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But, what did you see on Saturday? I mean, as far as on the offensive side of the football and the way Ryan Hlinsky played again, he had the one bad throw on in the interception, but other than that, I thought he played okay, but also his health. I mean, his health coming in question, a guy that's, I mean, you watch the game hobbling off the field, every single play. Like I just, Oh yeah. I, I don't know what the, the goal, the end goal was there with Ryan Hlinsky. Like if he's not a hundred percent healthy, why is Dak Joyner just not in the game? But, uh, you know, Overall, and I don't know, I, I said on Monday's show that it's like there's so many things to take away from this game, yet there are so few things to take away because it literally was an utter beatdown offensively, defensively, special teams. I mean, we, we're sitting here saying the defense played well and you gave up 38 points. I mean, that's just – Clemson was by far the better team. Again, my point – getting back to my point was I really thought the talent gap, the gap in talent between Karen and Clemson, the two different levels the program were on, I thought that just really reared its head on Saturday.
2: It absolutely did. It absolutely did. And, you know, when we were talking on the show last week, it was all about, you know, we can't attack this team horizontally. You know, we're not going to be able to throw five-yard outs. We're not going to be able to throw short RPOs. And that was really all we did. You know, the, it, I mean, the interception is what it is. running on the freshman, that's going to happen. Um, but, you know, to not even press them vertically, I – I don't know what they were hoping for. And if you look at it through the whole season, I don't know that you could pinpoint an offensive identity for what we even wanted to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to come into the last game of the season like that, and, you know, we had heard in the press conferences saying, you know, we're going to pull out all the stops. We're going to do this, this, and this. And none of that happened. We Mm -hmm. played the exact same game plan we've been playing for 12 weeks and expected it different result, which I believe is the technical definition of insanity.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Will Muschian talked about during the week that there were going to be personnel changes or different changes. And, I mean, you talk about the lack of an identity. Davo Sweeney literally said last week, he's like, you know, when you take a look at this team, it's hard to really see what their identity is. I mean, that's the opposing coach saying that about you. Like, that speaks volumes, in my opinion. I I, I, You know, I just – I agree with you on the play of Ryan. Like, you know, he made a freshman throw, but I I was – you know the best play of the game I thought was the play action on third down where you actually throw it over the top of the defense and you get a thirty yard completion. Like other than that, did you really go downfield? I agree with you there, and it was just you know maddening, and it, it really that really encapsulated it, really summarized the 2019 season. You know, and and the, I thought the drive that really summarized the season as well was the very last drive of the game. I think South Carolina runs like three running plays or something. It's like, dude, you're down thirty five yeah. points. Like, what do you what do you have to lose right here? Like, literally nothing. And I think, you know, that's in part, again, I, I think we talked last week, there's nothing really Brian McClendon could have done to save his job. And we obviously saw that happen. A ton of news coming out on Sunday um, and really feeding into the week as far as Brian McClendon being demoted, um, getting the play call, uh, uh, the, uh, the OC title taken away. He has been demoted. Dan Werner and Jeff Dillman fired, um, which the Dan Werner firing sort of surprised me a little bit. Um, I guess first off, just your initial thoughts, Alex, on and I, again, I, we I, we are both on the same page in regards to what we think needs to happen. We think Muschamp is the root of the problem; he needs to be let go. That is that we are in agreement there. Just going off what we know now, Will Muschamp probably going to come back next year. So when you take a look at what they did, um, as far as demoting BMac, and it looks like they're they're definitely in the market to hire an OC. You know, what are what's your reaction? What's your take on? the the reshuffling within the coaching staff that they have done to this point?
2: I mean, I think it's what you had to do. If you were going to – if the goal the entire time was to retain Muschamp, I think this is the only thing you could have done. I don't think he needs to have much say, if any, on who they bring in because we don't need, you know, a promotion from somebody who's never done it before. We certainly don't need him bringing back somebody he coached with at Florida And you've got to go out there and get somebody proven that's going to run their system and not let him be involved in it. So, you know, obviously, you know, you and I are on the same page. So our preference would have been, let's just clean the slate and start over. This didn't work. You know, we're sorry. Here's your 18 million bucks. We both go our separate ways happy. And that's not what's going to happen. It doesn't look like. And, you know, from a quality OC standpoint, I don't know. Who's going to be that excited to come into this situation? Um, you know, there's early reports out there that, you know, there have been conversations with Chad Morris and a couple other guys. And, you know, if you get somebody like Chad Morris in there, I think that's a workable situation. Mm. Um, and we, talk, we had talked a couple of weeks ago just, you know, watching Ryan's progression throughout the season, you know, and running the RPOs that he was running. You know, we talked a lot about, you know, are they giving him too much? Is this something he's not comfortable with? And I think that more than anything else, it's like, Ryan's going to be the guy, you've got to bring somebody in who is going to run a system that's complementary to what he does best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether that's Chad Morris or any of the names that have been thrown out there, I don't know. But I think that should be their first and foremost priority if Ryan's going to be the guy going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you make a great point in the sense of – and that that's something that always seemed to be missing, at least this year with Brian McClendon, it's like – <clears throat> you know you can have the best system in the world but if you don't have the players to execute said system then you're not going to be successful like you 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 can't put a what is it you can't put a square peg in a round hole like you you have to have the right, right. players and if and if you don't you need to fit your system around the guys you have available I mean it's just bottom line um I guess I'll ask you because again a lot of shuffling has happened BMAC demoted damn Werner fired Jeff Dillman, strength and conditioning coach, is fired as well. What else, in your opinion, if anything, needs to be done? Do there need to be more people let go? Are you happy with what they've done right now? Um, because, I, you know, we were talking a little bit off air, and I'll just tell you, you know, you, you, you kind of brought it to me, you know, hey, what do you think about the rumors of Bobby Bentley possibly getting a look for the OC job? And my opinion is this. If you've had, you know, with all due respect, if you've had anything to do with the South Carolina offense the last two years outside of Thomas Brown, I think they need to clean the slate in that regard. I, I just don't – I don't think a move like that is going to be – I don't think it's going to turn out to be a positive for one. Two, it's definitely not going to satisfy the fan base. But when you just take a look overall, I mean, do they need to fire more people? Are you happy with what they've done to this point and just go get a new OC? Like what's your take on what, what else maybe needs to be done?
2: I mean, am, am I happy? No, because they didn't clean the entire slate. Um, You know, from an internal working standpoint, I I don't know. What I don't want to see happen is a subordinate brought in under Muschamp. We need to have somebody in there that is, you know, outside of title, his equal, and somebody that's not going to let him involve himself in that game plan Mm -hmm. and kind of dictate this is what I want the offense to look like. We need to see in there like, hey, I don't care what you want this to look like you hired me, you're paying me to do this.
0: This is what we're going to do.
2: And that's kind of the end of the conversation because I think what's happened at this point, well, really throughout his entire career is he's brought in these guys, other than that one year he had Charlie Weiss at Florida, that were kind of middling to up-and-comers on an OC side, and he's just kind of been able to tell them what he wants done and how he wants it done. Mm and this is his last shot at doing this. And I think from an administration standpoint, if we're not going to clean house and we're going to keep them on, they've got to come in and say, look, we're going to go this direction with it. You're not going to have any hand in this. And that's just the way this is going to be. And I, I don't know what that looks like from, you know, uh, bringing somebody in perspective, but we don't need, I'll say this. If we, I'll, <laughs> if we have gotten Joe Brady last year, I don't think our offensive – the guy that's at LSU, I don't think mm-hmm. our offensive results would have been any different because Joe Brady's 29 and he would have listened.
1: Right. We need somebody
2: in there that's been a head coach before that will tell him to go back into the defensive meeting room and leave me alone.
1: And, and I think it just all comes back to the point of why you and I both believe that it's not firing an OC and bringing in a new one is not going to solve the problem. Like, I, I think – that's Correct. what it comes down to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like w- yeah. we, we both understand what the root of the problem is or at least believe what it is because, I, I mean, I'm the same way. We were talking about this again off air, just, you know, I, I don't think five, you know bringing a sixth OC in nine years is going to be the – all of a sudden it's just going to click, you know what I mean? Everything's just going to turn around. I, I'll ask you this because it's no secret, especially with the comments that were made from Castlin and Ray Tanner and just kind of the drama that filled throughout this season – it's no secret that Will Muschamp is on the chopping block heading into 2020. I mean, he's he's really, in my opinion, Alex, staring at it. If you go 6-6 six and six or worse, if you win less than seven games, you're fired. I mean, no question to me, if you win less than seven games, you are fired, which I have my own opinions on that because, you know, I said on Monday's show that I think that if you're a South Carolina fan and you're saying to yourself, well, you know, we 2020 needs to be the year he's got to win eight games for him to keep his job. I, I think you're setting yourself up for 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 a letdown. I really do. But either way, we know what he has to do to keep his job. And these coordinators he's courting, they're gonna know that too. I mean, are you worried about the quality of a coordinator you can get when I mean I don't I don't think most people I'm I'm sure there's somebody out there that you can write a check to and they'll be willing to come here and, you know, not really care about the situation. But these coordinators know that Will Muschamp's on his chopping block as well. And they also know that no OC has had success under him. So are you does that make you nervous in regards to South Carolina trying to go out there and find a new OC when you have this situation that you know let's just be realistic like no I don't think everybody's going to want to jump into this necessarily.
2: You've hit the nail directly on the head. I don't I don't even know how you pitch that to somebody. Especially like if you had somebody like uh like a Joe Brady come in like That 29 years old like he's leaving a stable situation how do you convince him to come across that aisle and say look this is what we're trying to build here without him looking at the comments from the president of the university
1: Mm -hmm.
2: like this is not a stable situation so I think I mean I think it's definitely going to play a role and we've done our you're in the proverbial rock in the hard place like you've got a lot of frustration within the fan base that does not like where the direction of the program's going. I was not happy with a hire initially. And, you know, here we are four years later in the hole that everybody feared initially that we would be in. And you fired another offensive coordinator. You've got kind of this, I mean, it's not written anywhere. Certainly nobody in the 80s office has said, you know, you got one year to figure this out, but we all know that's what it is. Mm, and, yeah. I don't know how you go out and, you know, hire and then retain quality assistance by doing that. And I, I think that's really the root of my frustration with all of this is that you've, you've got yourself in this hole and you, you don't want to dig yourself out of it because you don't want to pay the buyout. Hmm. And, you know, that may be the case, but then what do you do? You just put yourself further and further behind. And And it it, it comes off to, it's like the
1: the damage has been done. So, like, why not just pull the plug? You know what I mean? Like, the damage is done.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, you know, with the demotion of McClendon, it's like now we're paying our wide receivers coach a million bucks a year. Mm. So, I feel like that's above (laughs) market rate everywhere else. I may (laughs) be wrong, but that seems like it's a little above market rate. And now you're going to go out and spend – more money when like the entire gist of not letting him go was that nobody wanted to spend that money and it's like well we're going to spend it anyway so either go out and get who you want and don't try to i, I think you use this phrase uh quite beautifully put a band-aid on a shotgun wound.
1: Mm-hmm. right
2: but you know that's where we're at today
1: <laughs> no for for sure No, i agree I, i'll ask you because obviously we're talking about the oc job and everything when you take a look at this position, again, we're on the same page of what we think needs to happen. I don't think it's going to happen until next year, probably this same time next year, believe it or not. but um, <laughs> what are you looking for in the next OC like is there a guy in your mind that you're like this this should be the guy we try to go after, or is there like or, do you want to see something like philosophically from the next OC or just it sounds like you want to get you want a guy to come in there that's not going to be under must champs. it's going to be must champs equal if nothing else is not going to listen really just just not going to listen to what he has to say I know that sounds bad and I don't know I don't even know how that could be possible as far as like having a working relationship like basically having it understood that like hey like I am not listening to you talk offense like I'm going to do my own thing you're going to let me do my own thing I'm going to have my own philosophy here in regards to the way I'm calling plays and the way we do what we do but it sounds like that's pretty much what you want, is like a guy that's – and I can't blame you – a guy that's going to come in and is going to run the show the way he knows how to do it. Is that right?
2: Yeah. No, that's 100% right. So, I think, you know, from a candidate standpoint, I think, you know, obviously number one would be Chad Morris. Um, I have no idea what Bobby Petrino's is doing these days, but that guy knows how to coach <laughs> offense. Um, just keep him off a motorcycle. And then, you know, I, I – I don't even know what another good example would be at this point mm-hmm. because anybody else that you would want to go get that you would be excited about like building around for a fan base is going to be like a young up and comer that's, right. you know, throwing the ball over the field, and had a ton of success. And my fear is that if you bring that guy in, all of a sudden he's going to have handcuffs put on him. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of the same way. Like you look at what we did last year against Clemson, like we ran up you know close to 600 yards on them right and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden we can't score so either there's been either there's handcuffs that have been put on McClendon or he completely forgot how to coach offense
1: right I mean it, I it's, mean it's, you
2: could really say the same thing about Charlie Weiss when he was at Florida I mean that guy set records all over the field at Notre Dame couldn't mm-hmm. recruit at all or he just didn't want to one of the two but you know you get to Florida and all of a sudden you forget how to call plays it just doesn't make any sense so you've got to get somebody in there I think that has autonomy over it that he'll agree to have that kind of arrangement with because I mean he's got to look in the mirror and understand too that if this doesn't work out this is it right for his head coaching career
1: yeah oh, so sure. you know sure. maybe
2: maybe he's in a position now where he's willing to like give up some of that control maybe he's not but I would think he would be I mean But bottom line, yeah, I want somebody in there that doesn't listen to him.
1: Right, right. I mean it's it's almost like hard to fathom when you think about it. Because I'm like, obviously, Will Muschamp does not want to lose. Like, I don't think that's a quality you can have. You can't get to that level and have that as a quality in your brain. Like, I, I hope I lose and get fired. So like that's what just drives me insane. It's like, do you think that Muschamp's just a guy that like does he is he like someone that thinks they're just the smartest person in the room all the time and he's just not willing to let somebody else kind of take control? Because I think I even said it before the 2019 season. I was like, okay, you, because you, you remember – I mean, what's crazy, Alex, is that these dudes got raises last year, and now you're firing them. Right. You're firing right. them. Like, you know, you. I said it in the offseason. Like, if you truly believe that you have two of the best young coordinators in college football and Brian McClendon and T-Rob, which – I think before this season, a lot of people kind of agreed. Like, they thought that was, you know, possible. At least you had re- two really good ones. I'm like, if you think that, well, Muschamp, you need to be the CEO, you need to step back, let everybody else work, and you just be the CEO of the, the operation, of the program, whatever. But there's just no like, – like you're saying, that's why I'm so – I still believe it comes back to Muschamp and it's not McClendon. Because like you said, what did he do? What did he do? Forget how to coach? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. How can you get worse from your first year as an OC to your second. I mean, that that's – I mean, but, like, with Chant, I'm like, does he just truly believe he's, like, the smartest person in the room? I mean, is he just that hard-headed to where, like, he wouldn't be willing to let somebody come in and run their own show? Like, I guess that's a question we'll probably never get the answer to unless – it's funny, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I feel like we're going to one day have this 30 for 30 come out where it's all these offensive coordinators basically just exposing the truth of what happened. Cause I mean, it's just like, I'm like, I don't understand it. Like I, I, I really genuinely wish I could understand it. It's just, it's crazy to me. It really is. I mean, and that, and
2: that very well may be the case. I mean, I, I think a unfortunate example. I don't know if you watched the uh, press conference after the game, but it was, oh, yeah. a, it, was a, it was a touch on the indignant side for my taste. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Where it's just, I felt like it was almost a direct message of fans. Like, you know, we, Averaged 30 points a game last year. Da, 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 da. And I was like, all right. Well, you didn't this year, so
1: well, and th- story? And that's the point that I made on the Monday show, too, is it's like, okay, if you want to defend Brian McClendon like that, and, like, he's – obviously they're friends. Like, I, I, we talked about off-air. I think Muschamp hires and fires and coaches on the buddy system a lot. Like, I think that's an SEC problem. I don't think that's just a Muschamp. Like, it's all the good old boy system. Like, who do you know? That's why some guys have gotten these head coaching jobs, whatever. But – if you truly believe Brian McClendon, like if you believe in him, you don't demote him the next day. Like if he's not the problem, you then don't get rid of him. Like, I understand that they had to do, but I think it's kind of silly to go on this tirade after you get beat 38 to 3 and you finish your season four and eight to defend a guy, and then you just demote him the next day. I mean, you just kind of you're just you're just going back and forth on what your word is so I, I don't know I, yeah. I, I think it's all just a mess but um one other thing on the offensive side because it obviously impacts the offense a couple of announcements as far as the roster is concerned uh Shy Smith and Sedarius Hutchinson announcing they will be back in 2020 which I think definitely getting um definitely getting Shy back is going to be huge I think he you know he's going to be the number one wide receiver he's going to have the opportunity to be one of the better receivers in the league um But obviously, I think the biggest piece of news, Jake Bentley announcing on Monday afternoon that he is going to be transferring. Just give me your thoughts, Alex, on Jake Bentley's decision to transfer because I I, I personally think it was the right move. But I've seen a lot of talk, a lot of chatter on social media, people that think he probably should have come back and that he could have helped South Carolina. I'm in the camp and I think you understand this. I was like, this guy wants to play. He wants to play every down. He wants to be the starter. But again, a lot of people think at South Carolina he could have competed for that starting job next year. Um, just what, what's your take on Jake Bentley deciding to transfer? Do you think it was the right move? Would you have liked for him to stay? I mean, what are your thoughts there? I, I think it was 100 percent the right move
2: for him. I mean, he's got to go and do what's best for him because if he's got aspirations to play on Sundays, he's got to go get as much he's got to go get as many snaps on film as he mm-hmm. can, and so for him to go out and do that and leave I think is absolutely the best thing Mm. that he could have done for himself. I mean, you got Doty coming in, you got Ryan kind of entrenched himself this year. I didn't, you know, I don't think it certainly didn't end the way any of us wanted it to end Mm. when, you know, Jake took over in 2016. And I think sometimes you just need a clean start. And I think after the North Carolina game, after the, you know, Virginia bowl game, you know, in the struggles he had last year or, you know, in 2018, mm. that was the best thing for all parties because I don't know what the upside would have been for him coming back because, you know, if let's hypothetically say he does beat out Ryan. I mean, the first time he throws a bad pick or has a so-so first half, I mean, the beating that he's going to take on right. social media or from commentators, its that's not worth it. You get get right. the fresh start. Do what's best for you, and carry it forward.
1: I, maybe it would have been different if social media was around then, because obviously you played with a guy <clears throat> that I think uh, during his career took a lot of similar criticism. In Blake Mitchell, I mean, Blake was a <laughs> Blake was a very highly criticized guy when he was at South Carolina. That's yeah. the thing I always remind people, and they're like, you know, the the treatment of Jake Bentley, which it was very harsh. I mean, and I was critical of him, but I mean, it was very harsh. You know, social media has obviously changed the game. And I was like. You guys don't remember Jake, or you don't. You guys don't remember uh, Blake Mitchell and Chris Smelly, do you? Because there were some pretty brutal days <laughs> with those guys, and the way the fans felt. But I mean, have you ever seen a player take as much flack as Jake Bentley did? I mean, and again, and I'm not like it's not like a "woe is me" sympathy thing. Because li- listen, I'll tell you this: these guys know what they're signing up for. You know what comes with the territory when you're the starting quarterback of an SEC team. Like you, you know what you're getting yourself into, right? But I mean when you take a step back and look at it, like I don't remember a player that was as highly criticized as he was. That's really like, like I said, ever played the position at South Carolina. And again, it may be unfair because there was no social media in like the early to mid two thousands or anything like that. But I mean, what are your, just, I mean, have you ever seen a player as highly criticizing, like I guess as polarizing as Jake Bentley was at South Carolina?
2: No, I, I mean, Blake probably would have been close. Um, but not the, ex- but the, exist, the expectations so. weren't
1: there either when when Blake was there. I mean 7 and 5 in Spurrier's first year was like I mean that was amazing obviously and that was a great season versus like South Carolina last year goes 7 and 6 and it's you know <laughs> they wanted them transfer after last season. <laughs> so yeah and and again you know that kind of comes with the territory of
2: right you know everything that kind of Spurrier laid the groundwork for to kind of get us to that point, to know that you can do these things. So, you know, without that success, I don't think you know, I'll, I'll put it to you like this: If we never had those three eleven win seasons, I think the criticism of Jake would have been a lot less. Oh, so yeah. you know, taking that into consideration, no, probably not. Have we ever had somebody who was as Chris? Critic- well, uh, Dylan Thompson took a lot of flack, I feel like yeah. after the Connor Shaw era, so maybe Dylan, but no, I don't think anybody's.
1: You know, you know what's crazy about you about you bringing that up man it's like I'm like how quickly people forget I remember watching the 2013 South Carolina Missouri game the one where they came back and Connor Shaw came in I remember watching that game with a group of Gamecock fans and there being a couple of people in that group bashing Connor Shaw like he wasn't playing obviously but bashing Connor Shaw I mean there are people that wanted Dylan to be the starter after the 2012 Uh Clemson game and it's like God, like champagne problems we had back in those days. Like my God, like what a and obviously Connor comes in and leads it, but I'm like, dude, at that position, it's just it's you just it comes with it. You're just going to be criticized no every decision you make is going to be under a microscope. I tell you this, Alex. I think it's funny because I don't think there will ever be a player that's not in a South Carolina uniform that is followed as closely as Jake Bentley will be followed next season. Like I, I'm, I'm extremely intrigued to see how Jake Bentley fares, and I think it's going to be so weird to see him in a different uniform. It's going to be just yeah. very, very strange to see him in a different uniform. Um,
2: I'll, I'll put this out there. I would tell you he's probably going to have a tremendously successful <laughs> senior year wherever he ends up.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that think that it's going to be – even more so reason for me to believe like, all right, this is the, this, this is, this is all you need to know. I mean, I, you know, as much, yeah. as much flack as Jake got for his performance, how about we hold those accountable who are his mentors and coaches and people that are trying to put him in a position to succeed or lack thereof. Yeah. So, um, yep. that's, yeah. that's a good way to put that. So, Alex, it's been a fun season, man. Obviously we're wrapping up the 2019 football season. I've, I've enjoyed having you come on each and every week. Um, I, I know we'll do it again. I'm not sure when we'll do it again though. I think you and I both need some uh, need some time away from the game of football after a rough twenty nineteen <laughs> season. But, a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but I'll ask you, I'll I'll leave you on this. Um, you know, when you take a look, we've got the early signing period coming up December the nineteenth. You know, before you it's crazy, before you know it, we'll be right back in the spring ball. I mean it just it comes, you know, it comes back around very, very quickly from now I guess until the start of the 2020 season I know that's a ways off but like you're gonna hire a new OC you know you've got Ryan coming back you you've got you I guess you feel like you've got a couple pieces offensively uh with Shai Smith and you got Marshawn Lloyd coming in the uh you know the 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 highly touted freshman running back and but what are I guess what are you most looking for as far as this South Carolina team from now until the start of the 2020 season? Like, is there one thing as far as, like, development? Is it just offensive philosophy? Like, what are you looking for from this team as they go throughout the offseason workout program, they go throughout spring ball and then summer workouts?
2: That's a really good question. Offensive identity would be at the top of that list. And I'd want to see a proven competent play caller moved in I and mean, not to say bmac was incompetent but just like right. somebody that's done this at a high level somewhere else and had success hmm. um also for 2020 i'd like to never hear that uh most champs had the most successful first three years in program history <laughs> ever again
0: i would really rather
2: that never be a trending topic
1: (laughs) yeah i I can't i can't i I think everybody that saw on social media my video after the game would know that i agree with you i uh yeah i I kind of lost it i kind of lost it when he said that um (laughs) yeah i I kind of like a
2: continuous loop
1: yeah it's just like this is like a broken record just over and over and over again but Alex, appreciate it, man. Like I said, it's been a fun season. We'll, we'll definitely do it again, I'm sure, sooner rather than later. But uh, like I said, I know we could both use a couple of weeks to decompress from from the football season. But, uh, no, I really, really do appreciate you taking the time, man. It's been a blast, obviously, talking Gamecocks with you and breaking everything down. And, uh, you know, look forward to when we chat again.
2: Absolutely, buddy. I really appreciate the invite to come on the show. And I've it's it's been fun
1: despite this season's results. <laughs> For sure. Well, Alex, I, I do appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon, all right? Sounds good, buddy. Perfect. So, for Alex McGrath, I'm Chris Phillips. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show. <laughs> boy, 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 what is it you want to do when you grow up?